Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Zella made a beat, so it's go time. back Grizz Nation to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast under the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, 3ND, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, giving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBNGrizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Nathan, Mr. You-must-be-fun-at-parties, Chester. Nate, what's I've going on? Felt, I've never felt more fun than I have right now. Well, that's sad. Yeah, I, I live a very miserable life. If you were to go down my Twitter, I could honestly see why people would think I'm a miserable human being. That's not accurate. I think I'm a very joyful and optimistic person in general, but um, I can certainly see why you get that impression of me just rolling down my Twitter. Look at my Grizzlies tweets. Yeah, I want to throw my phone most of the time, to be honest. <laughs> You know, like this is your time to just vent and let it out. And just tell me how ridiculous I am and how trash my tweets are, man. Like this is kind of the format for it right here. I think the replies speak to itself. <laughs> oh, man. Like I, I like to think – and don't get me wrong. I don't say – what I do on Twitter and social media for attention. Like that, those are my honest thoughts in the moment of which, in which I'm watching games. Um, but you would think people would figure out that you probably shouldn't encourage me by responding to them because, um, you know, if I have five people who are trying to ratio me, really that's just encouragement to me, really, when you think about it. And I know y'all can't see this right now, but Nate is wearing a green shirt after this Boston Celtics win over the Grizzlies. So if you ever question Nate's fandom for the Memphis Grizzlies, you got the truth right here. Nate's wearing green right now because he's already hopped the bandwagon. He's moved on after this uh, one in six bubble run. He's moving on to the Boston Celtics, who will more than likely get the Grizzlies 14th pick in this year's draft. So, Nate, uh, congrats on your new fandom. 
Yeah, for sure. I got at least four tweets here tonight asking if I was really a fan of the Grizzlies. And the truth is, I'm not anymore because after I saw Brad Wanamaker and Grant Williams hit back-to-back threes in the corner, how could I not be a fan of the Boston Celtics? Bring me Precious Achua and the 2020 NBA Draft. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, but – but let's move on here. So we are recording this after a Grizzlies loss to the Boston Celtics because Brad Stevens decided to make everything boring and less fun and downright miserable by playing his starters regular-ish minutes tonight. And put it simple, the takeaway from the game is the Grizzlies just didn't have an answer for Jason Tatum to be honest, and they just missed a crap ton of open shots. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a single game, Grizzlies or otherwise, in the NBA this year where a team star player just effortlessly abused the opposing team like Tatum did to Memphis tonight. And Dylan Brooks, God bless him. There's, there's a lot I could say about Dylan Brooks, but I'll just focus on the defense here for a minute. I haven't looked at his um, defensive percentage, opponent field goal percentage in isolation or the pick and roll or anything like that, but by the eye test, he has gotten cooked by every good wing score he has defended in Orlando. Um, Lillard and McCollum in the first game, Brandon Ingram against the Pelicans, DeMar DeRozan against the Spurs. He spent time on Siakam against Toronto. In fact, I think both of the threes that Siakam hit in the final minutes of the Grizzlies game on Sunday were when Dylan Brooks was his defender. And Tatum is just rolling around, hitting spin jumpers, hitting 17-foot step backs. It's like Dylan's not even there. Um, It's really not his fault. God bless him. It's been a we Parker as the um, captain of Dylan Brooks Island. You know how difficult of time this has been for all of us. It's been a difficult time for us to reflect on what has not only come of the Grizzlies season, but to see what Dylan Brooks has devolved into. But it was tough to watch today. Very tough to watch. It was tough. You know, before I get into my uh, Dylan Brooks spiel, I will say I almost tweeted a picture saying this is how Dylan sees the matchup between him and Jason Tatum, and it was going to be a picture of LeBron and Kobe. (laughs) 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 Um, Yes, I am the captain of Dylan Brooks Island. I end up getting all the shade whenever he's – not playing good basketball, primarily from Justin Lewis, who doesn't know how to tweet if it's not about Dylan Brooks slander. (laughs) And here's the thing, and I've never said that he was going to be, you know, this third fiddle to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the next great Grizzlies team. I never said that. I never even said he was going to be an all-star. I never even – I said he could be a starter – but that's also contingent on John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. hitting the outcomes that we think they're going to hit, as well as Brandon Clark hitting the outcome he was supposed to hit. At best, he is supposed to be a six or seven man off the bench whose primary responsibility is to go out and get buckets because he, he can do that. He for Everybody throws shade at him, but – the only other player on the Grizzlies that can create their own shot on the perimeter, aside from John Moran, is who? Grayson Allen. 
I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I, mean, know, I, get what I get what you're saying. You yeah. need someone who's able to just pull up from 15 feet with a hand in his face and be able to knock down that shot. The biggest issue with DB, the bubble, and this is something that you and I have discussed in the past, is the type of the shots that he's taking, specifically the shots that he's taking off the dribble. And I don't have the percentages right here in front of me, but there's a significant difference in his percentages when he's shooting off one or two dribbles than he is off three to five when he's shooting contested 12, 15-foot jumpers. If Dylan could just find it within himself to realize that he is not the poor man's DeMar DeRozan, and if he were to embrace a 3 and D role where he would be willing to take more shots from the three-point line and more shots at the rim, he could be a starter on this team for years to come. But right now, even if you're using him in a gunner role off the bench, which I think you and I agree is the best place for him going forward, it's impossible to score the ball at anything resembling an efficient clip, whether you're starting or coming off a bench with the type of shots that he's taking. And it's concerned me so much when it comes to Taylor Jenkins in the bubble that he cannot hold him accountable for anything that he's been doing. And I get it. You need him. He plays hard. He brings energy. He's one of your only reliable perimeter creators. But throughout the bubble, his shot selection has just been horrific. 15-foot fadeaways with hands in his face over and over again. He's not Jason Tatum, no matter how much he would like to be. He's not. He just isn't. And yet he tries to play like he's Kobe Bryant. He tries to play like he's DeMar DeRozan. He tries to play like he's Jason Tatum. And when he does that, he hurts the team. He ends up shooting, what was it, nine for 25, like he did against Toronto this past Sunday. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, I don't even think Luka has taken 25 shots yet in the bubble in a game. He may have in his last game. But there are many star perimeter creators that didn't take as many shots as Dylan Brooks, a role player, did in the Grizzlies' last game on Sunday. But here's the thing, though. With Dylan, especially right now with the bubble and all this slander, I guess, with Dylan Brooks is they don't have Jaron Jackson Jr., they don't have Justice Winslow, and they don't have Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones gets looks for other guys, and they simply don't have that off the bench. Grant, I did write a piece on Grizzly Bear Blues about how Kyle Anderson and De'Anthony Mellon are holding the fort down, but to say the least, they're not Tyus Jones. They're just doing an adequate job of filling in for him. And then with Justice Winslow, he at least is more willing to take shots. Kyle Anderson is allergic to taking shots. And then Anthony Tolliver is just out on the court because he's just a guy that might shoot if he gets the ball. And if he's not going to shoot, he's just going to keep moving the ball. Somebody has to take shots on this team. And Dylan Brooks is taking it upon himself. And granted, it's to the dismay <laughs> for everybody in Grizzlies Twitter, but that's just no, – there's not anybody that's wanting to take shots right now. I mean – until today, we didn't really see John Moran necessarily turn it up until the third or fourth quarter. Grayson Allen can only take so many catch-and-shoot threes with the amount of creators aside from John Moran that they have. Toronto wouldn't even let Jonas Valanciunas touch the basketball. So, I mean, it just sucks that it's happening right now. But – Bottom line is Dylan Brooks being asked too much of his role. He's not a 
second to third option on an offense, maybe off the bench because he's doing that stuff against second units. You know, he would typically be doing that against guys like Brad Wanamaker and Grant Williams every night if he was coming off the bench. But he's playing against starting caliber shooting guards, starting caliber small forwards, while also being expended from his role. Because guess what? If you had Jaron Jackson Jr. and if you had Justice Winslow, we probably wouldn't be having this complaint because the, he wouldn't have to be doing what he's doing right now. Sure. And I agree with everything you're saying, and I think it ties into my tweet from this morning that got me some pushback from people, which I said, um, I don't really care about this season so much anymore. I care more about the Grizzlies getting out of the season as healthy as possible, nothing happening to John Morant or anyone else in the regular rotation. So they come in to next year with a reloaded roster with Justice Winslow, a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr., and be able to contend for a playoff spot next year. And look, I love watching basketball. I love watching them play today. I love watching the Grizzlies just play basketball in general after a four-month layoff in which live sports was all but dead. But it's also not very fun to watch the Grizzlies play elite competition. They have no chance of beating when Dylan Brooks, like you said, feels the need to put it on himself to be the Kobe Bryant of this current iteration of the Memphis Grizzlies. They cannot beat virtually anybody who's decent with the lineup and rotation they have right now, minus Jaron Jackson Jr., minus Justice Winslow, minus Tyus Jones. And you can go back to, I guess it was in February when they beat the Lakers at home without Jaron and Clark and say they can compete with those teams. That was an extreme outlier. They wouldn't have beaten that. If the, if the um, same circumstances were manufactured again, that Grizzlies roster would not have beaten that Lakers team nine more times if they had played that many. Um So it's painful for me to watch them go out like this considering how far they've come this season. And for how much of a certainty, to me, it looked like they were going to make the playoffs coming into the Orlando bubble. And there's also the pessimistic side of me that thinks almost the injury to Jaron Jackson kind of bailed them out because they did not look good at all in those first three games. And maybe their overall outlook and record wouldn't be that much different now even with him. But – I look at a team in a season that has just gone so far off the rails after the NBA season as a whole went so far off the rails. And deep down, I'm ready for 2020-2021 season. Here's the thing, though. You do all that. Let's say you do take into consideration health and you're not giving John Morant or Jonas Valanciunas or Brandon Clark the right amount of minutes. You're giving more minutes to – Gorgie Dang, Anthony Tolliver, Josh Jackson, and you're throwing a playoff spot. And quite frankly, they've been in pole position for that playoff spot up until today where they are – it's like a four-way tie. Like, I think that's – I just don't think there's good optics behind just throwing away a spot that you have. No. Here, no here's the thing, though. They're not, they're not the Pelicans right now. They're not eliminated from contention. Yeah. If they were to just thrown that playoff spot away, you know how many people would have been – Furious about that, and I'm not. The players aren't going to do that either. No, no, like, oh, no. I, 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 I think. I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm not advocating that they just completely sit them out over the last couple of games. I'm saying that me personally as a fan, that's what I care about more than anything at this point, just them being able to get out healthy. You couldn't do that. I don't know the situation and the circumstances for sure. You couldn't sit John Moran and Jonas Valanciunas. And to your point, 
who are you going to play from a developmental aspect that would make these games worth it? Don Even Morant and <laughs> Brandon Clark. No, exactly. That's the point. There is literally no point at all to sit them. I have no interest in watching Josh Jackson, Anthony Tolliver, or whoever else, Kyle Anderson, soak up 30-plus minutes here in the last couple of games. And that's not what I'm advocating for because I'm going to watch these games whether they were eliminated or not because that's how much I love watching the Grizzlies play basketball. And that's how much I missed NBA basketball off the four-month layoff. But at this point – I don't even really know how much it would even be worth it for them to get into the playoffs and get bounced by the Lakers by 20-plus points in each of the four games. They've already developed so much through the high-stakes games they've already had to play in Orlando. And from big moments they had in the regular season, we've even learned things in the bubble. We've learned that Grayson Allen is going to be a rotation player going forward. I don't think that was just an outlier in Orlando. I think he has showed a real premium skill set that will be an asset to the Grizzlies for years to come. And, of course, if I had to choose, sure. Like, I want them in the play-in. Sure, I want them in the playoffs. I just question whether it's even that beneficial for them anymore when it also brings obvious risk, as we've seen with Jaron Jackson Jr. so far. I still think with being in the playoffs, there's still value in getting those playoff lumps from probably one of the two greatest players of all time, plus probably the most transcendent big man that's come out of this century. So I think there's still value there into just getting those playoff lumps because as as we've seen with a lot of these other teams with rebuilding talent, I mean, Anthony Davis didn't get his playoff lumps until – later in his career. Darren Fox really isn't getting that same experience. Trey Young is not even in the bubble. Devin Booker is just now getting a taste of meaningful basketball. So I think there's still value in getting those playoff lumps. I mean, it might come at the expense of getting swept by the Lakers in four games, but that's just four extra games of high high intensity, crucial basketball that these play, that these young guys can get. It's, a chance for John Moran to go out and learn some lessons and let's be real, legit bat playoff basketball where you're game planning for the same team in a seven game series. And it's just yeah. more minutes f- for guys like Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks to see where they're at on the defensive end against guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I, I think there's still value in it. And I think the, it's the, still the- just not over. I think the biggest personal letdown for me as far as the whole thing is concerned, John Morant steps out on the court against the Lakers, and it ultimately wouldn't matter from a competitive standpoint as far as wins and losses are concerned. But John Morant steps out against the Los Angeles Lakers, and what guard on the Lakers roster can even maintain a level foothold with him? Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso – Certainly not Rondo. I don't even know if Rondo will be healthy for the first round. Um, There's really nobody guard-wise that has pedigree. I say, okay, I need John Morant to go up against Damian Lillard and really have a trial by fire in the playoff series. What I was looking forward to the most was having Jaron Jackson get baptized by Anthony Davis in the playoff series. 
And without Jaron, Jaron Jackson in and of himself by the talent level and the skill set that he brings to the table, he gave the Grizzlies a puncher's chance. They had matched up fairly well with the Lakers in the games they had played this year. Um, the only time they got run out by them is when Anthony Davis shot 20-plus free throw attempts in the third quarter against Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas at the beginning of the year. I think it was their third or fourth game of the season. But they'd held their own against the Lakers fairly well, even in a game without Jaron Jackson. And to me, it was going to be special to see Jaron really get pushed to his limit by a guy of a caliber that he could one day reach. Like Jaron Jackson at 26 years old, could I see him being in the same stratosphere as Anthony Davis is now? Sure. I definitely could, and I was looking forward to seeing that matchup more than anything. But without Jaron, to me, it's almost like you're so behind the curve compared to the team that you'd be playing that the only good thing that come out of it is just realizing how far you have to go. And they already realize that now without even playing that playoff series. Um, I don't know if they would get the full extent of the matchups of playoff basketball, the rotations of playoff basketball, scheming for your opponent when their opponent could just so easily break any scheme that they could possibly bring to bear against them. I wonder how much growth there is to be had when you can't even compete in a seven-game series against the team that you're playing. That's my thought process about it. I realize that most fans of it probably don't see it that way. And at the end of the day, if they somehow manage to beat the Milwaukee Bucks on Thursday and get into the play-in, and they somehow, after that, manage to get into the playoffs, which I, you put me on the record right now, they're not beating the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers twice in a row. That's not happening. But if they somehow manage to pull off a miracle – and play the Lakers in that first-round series, I'd be cheering for them as hard as anybody. I just question about how overall useful it would be when you consider what risk it could possibly present. And maybe I'm just a little jumpy ever since what happened to Jaron um, in earlier in the seeding games. I think it was the third or, third or fourth game, third game against the Pelicans. Maybe that's just made me a little bit jumpy, but that's just my thought process about it. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, I think you're being a little jumpy. But anyways, a point that I wanted to talk to you about on this show is, of course, Brad Stevens playing his starters regular minutes. You got the full experience of Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward, Kimba Walker, Jalen Brown struggled tonight, but we still had to see 
the full strength Boston Celtics today. And I, it may or may not be because they want that draft pick to be 17 and not 14. Or they want the Grizzlies to jump in the lottery so that they can dream of getting Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green in the 2021 draft. So, Nate, on the 2.5% chance they jump into the top four, after all this slander that we have put on the 2020 draft, (laughs) how would you feel if that happened? What if they got into the lottery and somehow landed in the top four? I think this ties back into a question that we were debating last week, and it was on the topic of the Utah Jazz and how good you think they're going to be. And I said that, honestly, if I were a betting man, I would probably bet on them still being the playoff team, a bottom-tier playoff team to be sure. But even with the Portland Trailblazers probably being fully healthy and the Golden State Warriors probably being healthy next year, I still think the Utah Jazz will be able to sneak out with one of the last playoff spots. So – Let's take, all right, let's keep that take in mind. So if we go to 2021 and Utah does make the playoffs, then you're not going to be able to keep your pick. Or, well, so, all right, let me back up. So if we're saying the Grizzlies jump into the top four, that means their pick is unprotected in 2021. It will be conveyed to the Boston Celtics in 2021. So if the Utah Jazz make the playoffs like I think they will next year and the Grizzlies jump into the top four of the lottery this year, that means they're not getting a single pick in 2021, not one at all. In a vacuum I would be perfectly fine with them jumping into the top four. Give me LaMelo Ball. Give me Anthony Edwards and put them around this core. Or even Killian Hayes and see how he fits. I'd be perfectly fine with that. But there's simply more upside in the 2021 draft. And I would rather for sure have a pick in that draft rather than jump into the top four and to me have a better chance of not having a pick at all in the 2021 draft. Yeah, no, I've I've been team 2021 draft this entire time. I do not want to pick in the 2020 draft. I don't think they will have a pick in the 2020 draft. But, you know, because of the lottery and the percentages, you have to play into it. And sure. I think, um, obviously, I think I, I would love LaMelo Ball. I've been a big advocate of the big baller brand since his existence. But I think he's going to go top three. I think – Honestly, if he went to college this past year, he would have been the number one pick, like almost undisputedly. He's that gifted of a playmaker and shot creator at his size. There's, he just has this transcendent handle and vision about him where I have a tier above Anthony Edwards. And I, almost, I think Denny Avigia is probably the closest to his tier, and that's the guy I would pick. If the Grizzlies somehow got in the top four, it would be Denny Advisia. But I think the thing that would hurt the most and something that might turn me into you in a way is the amount of Tiger fans I would have to argue with about why the Grizzlies should not pick James Wiseman. I, I think – I don't know what would happen. I think I would just – I would lose a lot of followers for it. But You, you know – 
But if I held it to me, it, it contingents a lot on the Utah Jazz. And if I held your opinion that the Jazz are not going to make the playoffs, they'll fall into that four. Is it top four or top six protected? The Utah pick next year. Um, I think the protections go next season if it's um, six. I want to say if it's one through five or fifteen through thirty, it okay. stays with Utah. Gotcha. But after okay. that, it's top, I think, top seven protected 2022, top four in 2023, and I think it goes unprotected by 2024. Yeah, but if I held your opinion that I'm definitely leaning in the direction the Jazz won't make the playoffs and they will fall in that range where that pick is not protected anymore, then I would be a lot more open to the Grizzlies moving into the top four this year and having a lottery pick in the 2021 draft. I know your idealized vision is getting two wing players in the 2021 lottery. You tell me about Absolutely. it almost every day. How could I possibly not know about it? Um, but And I get that, but I do think that ultimately, let's just say for hypothetically speaking, the 2021 draft is as deep as people say it is, and it's that much better than the 2020 draft. And let's say the Grizzlies get the 10th and the 12th pick in the 2021 draft. I think the 10th pick in the 2021 draft and the top four pick in this year's draft is relatively equal value when you consider it on balance. And we could be wrong about that. The 2021 draft could end up being the deepest, greatest draft class in NBA history. I don't know. But I do think it's relatively equal as far as the value is concerned. But let me tell you, um, we've disagreed on some of the things we've said in this pod so far, but you were hitting me right where I live that James Wiseman comment because honestly, the Tiger fans who I know would come out in force saying that the Grizzlies need to pick Wiseman, I view that in the same sense of a guy whose ex-girlfriend broke up with him, but he still goes to lengths to tell everyone about how great of a person that she is and how much he'd love to have her back if she ever decided to get back with him. It's pretty much the same scenario to me. Um, I don't know why many Tiger fans still have an infatuation with Wiseman. I have no ill will on the kid whatsoever. Like I think he made an unwise, ill-advised decision and you know, many of us have made decisions like that when we were 18 and 19 years old. And does it speak negatively on him as a person? I don't want him on my NBA team, not with the fourth pick in this year's draft, sure, especially with Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, and Jonas Valanciunas on those Grizzlies rosters. So I'm glad, Parker, that you and I were able to nip that in the bud before it gained any traction, before the lottery gods – smiled upon the Grizzlies once again, and we have to endure those types of conversations. Oh, well. Anyway, if, if it does happen, though, I will be beating the drum that the Grizzlies better end up with LaMelo Ball, Denny Avigia, or Killian Hayes that night. I, I'm not I'm not very high on Denny Avigia anymore. You want to know why? Hmm. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, the Sacramento Kings one. I always get um, him and – Utah Jazz, Bogdanovich confused, but he played in the same league, I think, on the same team that Abija did. His numbers were far superior to Abija's was. His shooting percentages were better and his raw counting stats were better. I don't remember what the disparity was off the top of my head, but it was pretty eye-opening. And, you know, that doesn't mean Abija can't be a good role player in the NBA, but Bogdanovich is what? the fourth best player on the Kings 
Fox, Heald, and and I'd put Rashawn Holmes ahead of him probably. Well, um, I think the thing is, I think Bondanovich was also older with all that. I think because he's like twenty, he's twenty seven, almost twenty eight right now. Yeah, and Danny Avigia thinks like what nineteen, and it's been well noted that most most young players don't get a lot of experience really overseas. The anomaly is Luka Doncic, who he looks like the second coming of Larry Bird. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Denny Avija is only 19 years old, and Bogdanovich is in his fourth year in the league, and he's already 28 years old. So I think age probably has to play a factor into it too. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to use that to nullify your concerns. I mean, I, I have concerns all over this draft board, to be honest. But yeah. I, I it's sad to say that. But um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, it's sad to say that we have more faith in the guys in the late first round, mid-second round, than we have in the lottery guys. Are we talking about Precious? <laughs> no, it's about like Grant Riller, Peyton oh, yeah, Pitchard. I uh, I did that draft thing on Robert Woodward from uh, Mississippi State. I like him. Um, Trey Jones, Cassius Winston, sure. Um, Isaiah Joe before he decided to return to school. Guys like mm-hmm. that. We were we were more hopeful on those guys than we are on lottery guys, anyways. So Grant Riller was going to be a lottery guy for me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yes, I will. I want to go back to this quick statement that I want to put out there on the uh, 2021 draft to my dream. Whenever the Grizzlies get two first-round picks, lottery picks, in 2021 and then sign Duncan Robinson in the 2021 free agency class, the Gr- no fan will have to ever complain about the Grizzlies' wing production ever again. We're going to have better wings in the wing guru. You, were you planning to say that last part, or did it just kind of slip out? No, I, I wanted to say it. Shameless okay. plug. I'm trying to get sponsored here. Okay. Well, you know, that's fair. And I, I'll reach out to the wing guru and tag them on this podcast um, after it is posted. But um, you forgot one player in that little list that you just mentioned. Oh, wait. OG and Anobi. Well, sure. But I was going to say Gary, Gary Trent Jr. is a restricted free agent in the summer of 2021. And, you know, I don't know how much Portland will be able to willing – I don't know how much they'll be willing to pony up to keep him. So that's another potential option to keep in mind. They'll have plenty of cap space in 2021. You could conceivably sign both Gary Trent Jr. and Duncan Robinson, and the Grizzlies will never miss a three-point shot ever again. It's going to be great. For the first time in my NBA fandom – the Grizzlies will be an above-average shooting NBA team. <laughs> I may, maybe in 2008 when they had O.J. Mayo and Rudy Gay, maybe then they were a little bit above average as far as perimeter production as compared to the rest of the league. But um, outside of that, I can't think of another time since the Grizzlies moved to Memphis that's been the case. Yeah. I actually, I even tweeted out earlier today, Rob Fisher said in the middle of the game, when the Grizzlies were down by 18 in the second quarter, he said it's time for the Grizzlies to start making shots. I said Rob could have said that today, August 11, 2020, or he could have said that in 2010. <laughs> it fits for pretty much any situation, any year. Yeah, no, that's true. But guess what? 
after 2021, we won't have to worry about that. And really with that to close the show um, with this whole, you know, cause I've seen it all over Twitter. I've seen stuff about, obviously we've seen stuff about Dylan Brooks. We've seen stuff about Taylor Jenkins. We've just seen overall just pointless banter about the Memphis Grizzlies and where they stand this season. But bottom line is this is only the beginning and it's not about this year. It's, you know, what's great about this team is we can actually talk about 2021 with a positive outlook about, Hey, guess what we can add here. We can talk about 2025 with the possibility. It's never been about this season. This season was just about development and getting better. And they ended up being down to the wire for the last spot in the Western Conference. And that's pretty cool for the first year of it. This is the first actual year of the rebuild because let's be real, 2018 when they got Jaron Jackson Jr., that was an accident. Mike Conley got hurt and they were forced to play Andrew Harrison, Wayne Selden, Kobe Simmons, and Deontay Davis. And that was just them paying the sins of a decade of bad drafting. And hey, put they, some respect on the name of Ryan City media superstar Kobe Simmons. But um, and then they were still trying to win in 2019 as well when they got John Morant because they wanted that top five pick to be the guy that can help Mark and Mike win now and be the future of the Grizzlies later. And they also had Jamichael Green. They signed veterans like Garrett Temple and Shelvin Mack. It sounds so sad to reflect on. <laughs> this is the first year where they're like, okay, we're actually going to rebuild towards something. And you can't help but think of how bright the future is if already year one of the rebuild when now 21-year-old franchise cornerstone and 20-year-old cornerstones, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., or they're not having to – bottom out and be 60 lost teams for three or four years before they're even remotely good. Like that's awesome. And I I hate that we're not really relishing that. We're just getting caught up in the moment of having to, let's face it without Jaron Jackson, Jr. Justice Winslow and Tyus Jones. They're, they're not a playoff caliber team right now, but that's fine. The grand scheme of things. Yeah. I talked about it in my feature um, last week, and it's saddening to see it, but this is natural. Um, it's human nature to do this, but um, the burden of expectations was never supposed to be on this Grizzlies team for this year. And the problem is, is that when you start to win and you win at a greater degree than anybody else expected, perspective is usually lost. The burden of expectations just kind of comes with the territory. It comes with winning, even if perspective should tell you, hey, let's just enjoy this. Hey, let's just relish the ride that they've been on for so far. And that's something I've been guilty of, too. You know, I take one look at my Twitter during the middle of a game to figure that out. And there was always a little bit of peace for me going into the bubble, whatever uncertainty over how much they'd be able to win in the bubble came up. Or we knew we could do a 180 at any time and say, man, the future sure is bright. <laughs> because the present just fell off the rails and <laughs> the wheels fell off about as worse as we could have imagined it to be. But 
everything that you just said, it sounds like a cop-out in the moment when you're dealing with the frustration of losing, when you're dealing with the frustration of injuries. And let's face it, you're not meeting the expectations, the burden of expectations that you put on yourself by being up three and a half games with the HC coming into the Orlando bubble. But guess what? It's okay. Live to fight another day because the next day is going to be even brighter than today. Grizzlies aren't going to make the playoffs this year. And there wasn't a single sane person on the planet who thought they were going to before the season started. And if you had told me that with eight games left to go in the regular season, they'd been sitting three and a half games up for the eighth spot in the West. But I've told you to quit being so optimistic. It's pissing me off. (laughs) But they're in a great place. They're in a great place going forward into the future. John Morant has averaged 20 points and 10 assists per game during the Orlando bubble games. Chris Paul is maybe the third or fourth best point guard of all time. That's better than what he's averaged for his career. Let's have some perspective. It's all going to get better. Another perspective is Chris Paul didn't have an eight-game sample size for this. So he's probably had plenty of eight-game samples where he's averaged 20 and 10. But, yes, I like the attempted optimism there. You know, I'm not good at it. It doesn't come very nationally for me. But I, I think John Morant will average over 20 points and 10 assists next year. So, I don't think it'll be a small sample size thing going forward. Um, I think this sample size, even think about it, he shot the ball terribly in Orlando. And he's still been able to put up the great counting stats that he has. I think with a few more months of working on his jump shot, continuing to work on his skills, continuing to get stronger, um, I expect him to average 20 points and 10 assists a game next year. That'll be enough to put him into all-star consideration. I don't know if it'll get him in the actual game, but he'll be right there for sure. Yep. And well, that's about all the time we have here. So uh, do we have any final, do you have any final remarks? I'm really a nice person. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, my my final remark is um, (laughs) Nate's opinion doesn't reflect the overall opinion of the core four podcast. And by that, I mean, it doesn't reflect my opinion as well. I still have hope for the playoffs because I'm not a sadistic person. I'm going to remain optimistic <laughs> here. I don't. I would rather be Cole Tate, Cole Tate for being positive than being negative. So that's where I stand. So, uh, so Nate, plug your stuff in. You just called me a sadistic person, and you want me to finish out that you could have just said pessimistic, sadistic. That's a bit strong, don't you think? And uh, I will never forget. The glorious victory I had over Grizz Twitter during the 2018-19 season. And, Parker, you were with me on this. And even you started to falter down the stretch, but I was the only one who held firm. I was the only one that said Shelvin Mack and Garrett Temple are not going to keep playing like elite role players. And everybody just kept hammering me, telling me I'm a hater, I'm a loser. And guess what? Shelvin Mack turned into Shelvin Mack and Garrett Temple turned into Garrett Temple again. You know, when all else fails and I start to be resorted to the slander on social media, that victory gives me some solace and it gives me some peace. Well, I'm glad that you find victory in relying on two 30-year-old veteran role players that are mostly third-string players crashing down to earth. I'm glad that that gives you – hope and that drives you forward in your <laughs> blogging GDB career. 
honestly, at this point, I think we just need to put a disclaimer in the GBB Twitter bio. It says uh, the opinions of, Nathan, of senior staff writer Nathan Chester do not reflect the overall opinions of the blog. All right. Well, Joe, you're listening to that. Keep that yeah. noted. But uh, Nate, uh, plug your stuff in. You can follow me on Twitter at NathanChester24. And you can find all my Grizzlies-related content at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. Yep, and you can follow me on Twitter at pocket underscore flock and make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, writing reviews for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure you're reading and following our work at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at, at SBNGrizzlies. And Nate, I'll let you have the honors. Mercifully speaking, that's all, folks.